This is the Gender Card Podcast from Griffith University's Gender Equality Research Network. I'm Nance Haxton, and together we will speak to the vanguard of remarkable researchers breaking down the issues of gender equality, women's leadership and gender inclusivity in all realms of life. Travelling alone are a growing demographic, but many assumptions are still made about their motivations and why they like travelling solo. Griffith Institute of Tourism researcher Dr Elaine Yang studied this phenomena for her PhD and has gone on to become an expert in gender-based tourism and how tourism companies can better support women who choose to travel on their own. Elaine, thank you for joining us on the Gender Card podcast. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate you coming in today and really interested to hear about your particular area of research, women who are traveling. Can you tell us about how you first got into this area? Well, I like this feminist phrase, personal is political. So I am a solo female traveler myself before I did my PhD. So I was traveling alone uh, in Europe and I'm had some trouble. (laughs) Really? Can you tell us? I think people might be surprised as to what what problems could a female solo traveller have as opposed to perhaps any other solo traveller. There's lots of very interesting things happen before, during and even after that trip. It's a life-changing trip. I would definitely see that. As an Asian woman in particular, traveling alone is a no-no thing. I've gone through wars with my parents to convince them and, um, you know, to convince them that I know what I'm doing. I'm not being reckless. When I was in Europe, I was there actually for a conference trip, but I decided to travel a bit by myself before the conference. And I stayed in a backpacker hostel, very naive, thinking that, you know, everyone in the world is angels. And I I took all the precautions that I can, um, you know, be be vigilant about my belongings and things like that. But somehow there was a very special experience. One night, I felt like I was drugged or something because I heard noise in the middle of the night. I was unable to move, so I was conscious listening to what happened, but I just can't get myself to move. And in the morning when I woke up, everyone in that room, so it's a... You know, it's backpacker hostel, so it's a shared room. So all the other girls are gone early morning. And I realized that, you know, I do have my padlock to lock my belongings in the locker. The padlock is um, it's there, it's not broken. But when I open it, all my belongings inside, all my valuables are gone. But that is just the beginning of a series of dramas. So there are many, many other um, incidents related to what happened that day. And after that trip, I was thinking, you know, I am very intrigued by my experience. Whether it was an isolated case or whether this was more common. Yeah, but what I was the most intrigued about is that what happened has not stopped me from traveling alone. Didn't put you off. It didn't put me off. <laughs> in fact, it inspired me and motivated me to travel even more. So that's why that sort of um, from the motivations or impetus for my PhD research, which is about solo female travelers, looking at um, the gender risk in particular. But I was one part of my research is also looking at the voluntary risk taking. 
Okay. And what do you, how would you describe that voluntary risk taking? What, what does that entail? I believe there are many female travelers before they decided to undertake their solo adventure. They are kind of well informed. Like I have to go through all this fight with my parents. Through that process, I'm, I have been made aware of the potential risk. That's why they are so upset. But same applies to many other female travelers. If you look at, let's say, Lonely Planet, many travel guidebooks, they have the whole entire section or chapters just to talk about you know, how to stay safe as women. We saw medias uh, reporting on cases where there are assaults uh, against solo female travelers or female backpackers. It's all over the news, internet. And even if you do a Google search on solo female travel on the first page, there are lots and lots of outcomes, such outcomes as related to women's safety you know, on the road. So that means that we actually know the risk. Then what makes us want to take that risk? What, what, what are the benefits for us? Why? Why people do that? So what do you think it is? Is it, is it almost defying those, those assumptions and trends about what people think that women can do or, or how they should act to be safe? Yeah, absolutely. What I found very, very interesting when I do my research, so I had, had the opportunity to really drill down, to ask the question why from the historical, social, sociological perspective. So a couple of things here, uh, very brief. Now, first of all, to travel is actually something new for women. That opportunity is very new. In the past, when we talk about travel, is it's almost assumed as a men's, men's undertaking. And women, for a very long time in history and also in some culture until now, are expected to be domesticated, stay at home. You don't go out and adventure by yourself. So that is the, we call it as the gender tourism uh, space and practices. So one layer of the whole uh, women's safety in, in tourism is related to that. So the gendered um, nature, history and origin with who can use the travel space. And it's still the case in many different parts of the world, even when women now have access to travel, they still encounter many problems like street harassment, as if like if you are by yourself as a woman wander in the strange city in the evening, you are looking for trouble. You are sexually available because good women don't do that. And that tells us who owns the space, who can use the space, and still it is very, um, it's still privileged men's experience to some extent. Now the second layer of what I have discovered is the meaning of risk-taking. Because I suppose travel is inherently about risk to some degree. You're going to a new environment. You want to see new things. Yes, absolutely. Tourism and travel is a rather new social phenomenon. Like sometimes we often take things for granted, like going on a holiday end of the year. Oh, that's so common. But if you truly reflect on it, a hundred years ago, it wasn't that common. And it would have been just for yeah. the very elite rich classes. Yes, yes. Mm. It's for two types of uh, what this can be um, oversimplified but you can summar summarize it in two types of people who would travel. The super rich 
Yeah, they travel with their servants who take care of their needs, and the other type of travelers are, you know, the hardcore adventure explorer, travel to the untouched world, the third world country. You know, th- those are mainly the male explorers. So, risk taking, like what you have、um, very aptly summarized, it is related to travel. Is The the origin word of travel is travel is adventure,、uh-huh. you know, to adventure to explore the unknown.、Um, so yeah, so risk taking is perceived as a masculine trait. And we've seen on the news, for example, there could be two adventures, one female and one male. Maybe the female, let's say, through her adventure, somehow he, she met unfortunate event and and lost her life and left、uh, her children, you know, at home. The report will be pointing fingers、uh, on her for being irresponsible. Whereas when something happened to a male adventurer, same having maybe let's say three children, the narrative would be th- he is doing some very heroic act. So the narratives behind is still,、um, still until today. It shows the persistent patriarchal that, and also the、um, imbalanced power relations that shapes women's travel experience. It really is still a very gendered conversation, isn't it? It's not until you actually think about it that's so true. Is it almost that assumption that men are allowed to take risks, but women not so much? <laughs> yes, and if anything happened to women who take risks, people would think that I told you. You know, you knew the risk, and you still do that. You are being reckless and irresponsible, and all those sort of victim blamings. So, one of the when I was doing my、uh, PhD, one very important incident happened during that time was that there was two Argentinian backpackers, female backpackers, who went traveling. They are not even alone; they are actually in a pair. So, unfortunate event happened to them. Um, and you can see the narratives online how they blame these girls from traveling alone. Like really, they are not alone. They are just unaccompanied by men. And one of the comment was questioning about whether women's or these feminist undertaking will serve them, will benefit them when it comes to this kind of unfortunate event. So that has、um, struck a, a massive. Discussion online on Twitter, especially with more than five thousand women defending their rights to travel safely. So that is not like fifty years ago. That just happened a few years ago. Are there similar Australian stories as well? I mean, I can think of some terrible cases where women have been attacked here as backpackers、yeah. as well, and and I think you, you referred to a couple before. Yeah, you, you can see that those stereotypes coming through in the Australian conversation as well. You mean victims blaming?、Mm. Well, maybe not specifically on female travellers, but just women use of urban space in the evening. In recent years, we have witnessed a couple of unfortunate. Incidents、uh, where women take the you know use the park in 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 the evening when it's dark and things happen. You still see that people focusing on why she's there at that hour、mm. rather than why can't we have more surveillance power or or more presence police presence or not blaming any party but it's just why can't we use the space safely? Why can't women walk home safely? Yes, yes. yes those、exactly. questions aren't asked terribly often, are they? Yeah. So it sounds like it's very much about. Overcoming these things about empowering women、mm. to 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 take those risks safely to to feel that they can travel. 
Yes, um, absolutely. So the outcome of my study is really to provide recommendations for destination managers and tourism companies about what they can do, because I try to refrain from telling women what to do. This is what we call the geography of women's fear, and I don't want to instill fear to say, "Oh, you shouldn't travel at night. You shouldn't go to this destination because it's not safe." Rather, I'm thinking, what can we do to provide a safe environment for these women? And it is a very challenging task because after my PhD, I continue working in this space,、uh, focusing on gender-based violence against women in tourism, including female travelers as well as those working in the industry. So, from all the data and Work that I have conducted, it shows that the predators、uh, can be almost anyone. For example, business travel, the predator can be your male colleagues, your managers, your supervisor. If you talk about staying in hotel, in the past there are lots of research looking into how. Hotel guests can be a predator to female housekeepers, but from my work, I found that it could be the other way around as well. I have seen data that talk about how、um, female travelers are approached or harassed by hotel workers. So that is actionable. That is something that the hotel industry can do. And now with the sharing economy, we have Uber. We have. Airbnb, we have couchsurfing. Although we can say, you know, on the online reviews can help us to decide or determine whether it's safe or not. But from my data, there's still lots of evidences about, you know, how women get themselves into trouble、uh, at various level when they use these services. So it's everywhere, and also because of that,、um, the tourism industry and destination might think it is something that is beyond their control. But just because it's difficult and challenging doesn't mean that we should not do any, try to do, make any changes or improvement. I think everyone in the industry, travelers, managers, everyone, workers, we have, we we can we can contribute at the personal level. It's really about spreading that sense of responsibility.、Yes. Beyond the individual female traveller、yes. who's decided to go, yes, they have some responsibility, but also the yes, the places they're going and the places they're staying. Yes, yes,、mm. because I how should I put it this way? I think I got a bit, you know, enough of telling me to bring a pepper spray or wear a fake wedding band <laughs> and all this, you know, just you know, it is it, this is freaking blaming. And how have you found that those companies or hotel chains have they responded positively to your suggestions, or is this still pretty early days? I see some great improvement、uh, over the years of working on this topic. So when I first started this research in 2014,、uh, that is before the hashtag #MeToo gained a lot of traction.、Uh, when I talk to people about this topic, people are you know either not interested or not see this as a thing that that don't see the pressing need. To do anything,、mm. yeah. But I think the hashtag #MeToo movement, or、um, in a feminist term, we call that hashtag #feminist movement,、um, has created a lot of awareness, and companies、uh, and industry practitioners they are more likely and more open to the idea of yes, we have to do something. Maybe it will make them. I think it's a win-win situation to protect your female guests, right, and to be seen as a company.、Uh, Who cares? So, in the past one or two years, in particular, I have been approached by travel companies who would like to know more about、um, how do they、uh, 
cater to solo female travelers. So I th- I take that as a positive change. Yeah. And what are some of those suggestions that you would give to these companies? Well, it's very interesting. One of my recommendations that came out from my PhD research is about、uh, a travel safety app. There are many similar apps out there,、uh, but one. I'm proposing an app that really caters to solo female travelers' need. So these ideas seems like it has been shared by a couple of travel companies. So I've been approached to 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 provide、uh, ideas or share my insights and my thoughts about what will be a good features for those apps and those platforms. So I am very very excited to work with these industry partners and and other industry partners、uh, to. Do something, make changes, create positive change、um, in in the space that provide a safe space, a friendly space for women and men alike to travel safely. What about for hotels? Are there practical aspects that they can bring in to to make female solo travelers feel safer? Right, I think through training. Um, but because it sounds like a lot of it is the attitudes of staff and of people around. Yeah,、them. it's、mm. all about awareness. Raising the awareness is important. So I have recently written up a book chapter which is looking into the hotel space as well、mm. and the gender-based violence. I think there's something we can learn from、um, some of the hotels. They have. Tackle the issue from the、uh, the staff perspective, like protecting the staff. Say they provide like the housekeepers a panic button.、Uh, they have all these reporting process procedures in in place. If you met into any problem, you can do that. But what about for the female guests? I guess that's、mm, it's very challenging because、uh, oftentimes we think behind a closed door is your is subject to privacy. So. It's so sad, and my latest study, looking at a lot of、um, the hashtag MeToo posts, are、uh, actually related to hotel. It's happening in the hotel behind those closed doors, and especially within the the business travel context. So, he, we need to have more discussion in this space. To what extent, or where does the responsibility of the hotel ends? And where does the responsibility of even the organisation that、yeah. these, that you're travelling with, the business that、yeah. that is doing the conference or、uh, yeah. organising this trip, where does that start and end as well? Yeah, absolutely. And、um, well, from a historical perspective as well, hotel is a highly sexualised space. I'm not、mm. generalising to all hotels, but still,、uh, it's a space that allows for transgressive behaviour and. And and that sort of shape people's perception about what you can do or can't do, mostly can do, <laughs> in a hotel space. So, it's like people feel they can be a bit more permissive and,、yes. and get away with a bit more in a、yes. hotel space. So, say for example,、mm-hmm. I would like to talk about the female business travel.、Um, th- as a woman, when you travel on business trip, you are five point six times、um, chances higher to be sexually harassed. Truly,、so、that's a lot. That's a lot, and and I'm looking at I'm speaking from the data that I collect and observe. There are a lot of cases which is、um, you know the the predator are the work colleagues or supervisors, and there are counter posts that say why would you agree to meet with that person in the hotel room in the first place? 
So there's a lot to unpack from this post here. So it's like hotel room is perceived as a you know sexualized space. When you uh, you agree to enter the room, it means that you provide you, you consent to the actions that follows. And um, also, the second layer is about victim blaming again. So the, uh, there there are lots of work um, to do in this space. And I, I was interested too in in your work, and it's not just gender. Assumptions. There's also cultural assumptions as well overlaying that, aren't there? Particularly for Asian solo travellers such as yourself. Yes, yes. Um, well, it is important to recognise that women are not homogenous, right? We might face similar type of risk, uh, but the implications of the risk is very different. So, uh, based on my work on Asian women, the um, the risk of rape. Sexual assault. The meaning of that um, is it, it has a great social significance because in collectivist society, especially more traditional society, if a daughter or a female family member um, is assaulted, that is a very shameful thing for the entire family. Of course, I'm not generalizing to all Asian families, but in certain part of the uh, in certain part of the world, in some cultures, uh, in some communities, it is still the case. Traditionally, that's Traditionally, always been the case. Yeah. Yes, and I also know that in some cultures, the girl or the the woman will be asked to marry the predators. Mm, truly. Yes. Mm. Yes, the, it's the emphasis uh, on, on chastity and all this. So it's like we face similar type of race, but the level of intensity and the consequence can be different. Mm. And, and the assumptions made about uh, an Asian solo female traveller uh, are different as well uh, from, from what I've read. Yes, um, very interesting findings. I shouldn't say interesting, it's very uh, worrying it findings. Is. <laughs> from my study is that a couple of my participants actually mentioned that when you are Asian, you travel in Asia, sometimes you might be perceived or mistaken uh, as the local sex workers, especially when you're in destinations where sex tourism prevails. So is that, you know, all these layers of complexity about identity, about who can use the space, the power difference. Yes, is... Yeah, so that is in Asia. And I also have data that says um, when they travel in outside of Asia, mm. yeah, and by themselves, and because they look very exotic, yeah, and um, somehow they are, are sexualized. As in a similar in way. In a similar, similar way. Even in the, they're out of that Asian <laughs> context, yes. Yes, yes. So there is this perception where my informants share with me in certain destinations, you know, these foreign women, Asian women, um, is seen as free chicks, I, which made me really sad when I, when I learned about this. But of course, there are other women from different regions are sexualized, uh, equally sexualized in a different way. 
So let's not delve into that part mm. because it's not. It's the thing. The last thing I want to do to spread these mm. stereotypes, mm. but it is what it is. You, yeah. you just need to know that, yes. I suppose. How do you overcome that? This is a, a female solo traveler. I know for myself, I quite, I, I really enjoy that too. And meeting people yeah. along the way is such an integral part of my traveling experience. Do you? Uh, you've got to be aware of this, but what can you do to to overcome some of these assumptions? Like I mentioned earlier, I'll be very much referring to tell all of him a traveling. You should do this or you should not do this, because really I don't want to put the responsibility in your hand. We have been bearing the responsibility for long enough. Enough is enough. It's time it's for for people to provide us a safe space to to travel. But if you're going to ask me for any advice, I would say be bold, be vigilant, be brave. And that risk-taking that you were talking about before, mm. that, that's a healthy thing to see that as this is part of traveling. It is part of the traveling. Yeah, it is part of the traveling. But I am also fully aware that it will, and, and as I've written in my paper as well, overcoming the risk is a transformative experience provided you come back safely. It's so true. And what, what research are you working on at the moment uh, in this space, Elaine? I am currently focusing on the hashtag MeToo research where I look at any posts uh, within the movement that is related to tourism, hotels, travel space. Oh, interesting. So yes. making it quite specific to that. Yeah, yeah. I want to know um, to what extent the gender-based violence in tourism is featured in the movement. Yeah, and and has that create any traction? And because I'm interested in hashtag feminism, I want to see how hashtagging, and from where we can move from hashtagging to actually creating changes, the movement part, the activism part. So that is my um, current work. And do you think that it will lead to that change? I suppose it helps with the discussion, doesn't it, on a broader cultural level? Even if it is a hashtag, it does mean that people are talking about it. Hopefully. People are talking about it, that's for sure. But my preliminary finding shows that because hashtag MeToo encompasses every aspect of women's life, so the travel aspect, yes, it has been featured, but it's like a needle in a haystack. So I don't think it has created much traction for concerted effort from the tourism industry to create changes. But raising awareness is, I think, at this stage, is is very important. So it does serve the purpose in that sense. And as I have briefly mentioned earlier, I do observe that a number of travel companies have begun to really want to look at, hey, this solo female travel market, these women are very fierce out there, want to explore the world, mm. and they have some constraints and concerns. How, what can we do? What How can, can we, we cater do? to them yes. so that we get more of them? And <laughs> Because they're very cashed up as well, Like, and, and we should be able to cater to that. Absolutely. Mm. So if you look at the women-only tour companies, the percentage is, has increased by, what, 200% at least in the past few years? There are um, a lot of debate about women-only hotel, hotel floors and women-only tours, whether it's creating like a bubble, you know, um, sort of create, you know... Extend, whether it's sustainable. Yeah, sustainable mm. and also uh, we still continue with the geography of women's fear. Like, you know, be realistically, when you step out of the women-only hotel, hotel you, you will enter into the real world. The, the threat and risk and all this fear is still there. So there are lots of discussion. But what, what I can observe in the Australia's Space is that it's very interesting 
interesting uh, the way we travel maybe because Australia is very remote far from everywhere um, so the Australian travelers are prone to book tours from travel agents so using tour can be one of the solutions that I'm seeing at the moment for many female travellers. So you're a solo person but within yes. that tour, within a group. Yes, which is I find it fascinating. Mm. Yeah, because if you look at definition, solo means by yourself. But So you are solo but in a tour group and mm. you use And you may not group. know anyone else in that yes, tour, it, I suppose, really. Yeah, but you may make friends in, in, in the end. But using tours as your safety net, which is something that I'm seeing that's getting more and more popular. And that does sound like a good solution. I'm, I'm encouraged too by what you said that the tourism industry does seem to have taken on quite a bit only in five years from 2014. That That's quite a relatively fast change in attitude I think. Yeah well gender is a very sexy topic at the moment. <laughs> So it's a good time to push for changes, I would say. It is. It's good to hear that people are embracing that, though, and yeah. not, not necessarily just pushing it aside to really to mm. look at the needs of, of the female solo traveller. Yes, yes, absolutely. Mm. I would just like to reiterate, just because it is the way it is doesn't mean that we should not or could not make any changes. And at the individual level, you know, personal is politics. If we make changes from ourselves, it will create to a larger social change. So especially in the tourism industry where about 95% are made up by small uh, medium enterprises, small medium businesses. So we don't need large hotel chains or tour, tour companies to create all this you know, awareness training we we can even if you only own like a bed and breakfast with three employees you can start those training you know having this way of thinking ensure that your staff um, maintain a respectful distance with your guests and also make sure that you know if your female guests uh, feel unsafe what are the things you know what are the process produce procedures in place that you can assist that person Sounds like you've got a very optimistic view of this area from your studies, that there is there is hope for change within this. I try to because, you know, we have to believe it, yeah, in order to make it, uh, to realise it. Yeah, I am hopeful. And I, like I say before, I think this is the best time to push for gender equality agenda. Yeah, and I'm very excited and look forward to see a safer space for female travellers. And can I ask, do you still travel on your own sometimes, Elaine? Yes, I do. I do, although most of my trips is tagged with my work trip, but I still love, you know, having the space of liberation, the space of independence. It is a beautiful thing to travel alone, immerse in the environment, and the most important thing is that it gives you space to reflect on who you are and who you want to become. We want to enable as many people as possible to have that opportunity. It's wonderful speaking to you, Elaine. Thank you so much for joining us on the Gender Card podcast today. Thank you so much, Nan. Thank you for having me. That was Dr. Elaine Yang, lecturer and researcher at the Griffith Institute for Tourism. And that's all for this episode of The Gender Card. This podcast was produced for the Gender Equality Research Network by Nance Haxton with production assistance from Michael Adams. Stay up to date with this Griffith University podcast on SoundCloud. Speak to you again soon.